I want to see what that dad bod can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. It's football and other F-words. And, um, and it's raining outside. It's actually storming. There's thunder and all kinds of shit. So I feel sorry for my Uber Eats lady, and she's bringing us sushi, and I feel so bad for her right now. <laughs> she is braving these horrible, they're not horrible thunderstorms, just your typical southern thunderstorms to, uh, to bring you sushi. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, well, I, when we put the order, it's still sunny outside, so I wasn't, like, too concerned, and then all of a sudden, just the black clouds, you know, start rolling in. <laughs> um, all right. Titans, we have a little Titans news to discuss. It is that time of the year where we have to take any little thing that they do and try to discuss it at length. But um, Titans have been doing some OTAs. And as of today, Tuesday, that we're recording this, we discovered, are you ready for this? What a massive surprise. Traylon Burks has asthma. It's are an, you stunned? I am, I am floored because I, I am very surprised that we didn't receive any kind of context clues on this. I mean, you're talking about you know, a guy that hit it so well. I mean, we did, did we even know he had an inhaler? This is all sarcasm, by the way, because of course <laughs> we knew he had a fucking inhaler the first day this all happened. And we told you on this podcast, and I've said it on a football show with Braden Gall, I've said it on Twitter, he has asthma. It was reported in Arkansas he had asthma. Now, can his weight contribute to a little bit of maybe a little bit extra um, emphasis on the asthma? Maybe. Is it a big deal? No. Has it ever been a big deal? No. Like, I see people that are still concerned about it because they're afraid that the Tennessee Titans didn't do their due diligence. Dude, go Google Traylon Burks and asthma. I, I did it the first day that they said that he had an inhaler, and I saw that there were message boards talking about uh, that he had it at Arkansas. And and today, Mike Vrabel, oh, they did ask Mike Vrabel today, by the way. I, I forgot they asked Mike Vrabel this question, and, and you, you had asked me before the air if they, if any, Lebowski, if anybody asked him about asthma gate. Right. And asthma gate. <laughs> I love that everything is like instantly gate. funnier with gate at the end <laughs> of it. And uh, they asked him, and they said that, they asked him, John Glennon asked him if, um, they knew that he had asthma. He goes, yeah, we knew. I mean, we have extensive medical records. We knew. Like, it's asthma, people. This isn't like he's hiding some degenerate bone disease from everybody. It is asthma. He's going to be okay, and he's going to play football. And he's just going to he's gonna get there. Like, there's no big deal. So a, I got to hear briefly Buck Rising's show today on 104.5. How you like that plug? Um Buck, someone asked Buck a question on the show today, um, a listener, that is it valid to be, to have concern as a fan that the Titans can't seem to just get a first round pick or a qualifier for that pick that doesn't have some sort of underlying malady? You know, you've got Burks with asthma that we all knew, but they act like they didn't want to know and the inhaler was made up or whatever, you know, birds are a lie. But whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, We're talking about don't don't equate a true thing with a false thing. Birds aren't real. Inhalers <laughs> do exist. I mean, we're going to get to conspiracy theories <laughs> later because that may be a mailbag question. Um, but so you got Traylon Burks 
Isaiah Wilson, whatever. I mean, you know, the question of laziness coming in, which was very confirmed. And then uh, the point that that Buck made about like, <clears throat> you know, you give up a, a first round pick for Julio Jones and his broken ass uh, calf muscles. So, I mean, is it valid to be a little miffed as a fan? Like, why does this keep happening to first round picks and Titans? I think it's annoying, but I also yeah. think I think that when you and I think it's okay for people to be annoying, but I, I also need to remind people that, you know, we're now in several straight winning seasons under John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. They started 91 different players last year. If if Fat Burks ends up on the sideline because he needs a breather and needs a puff from his inhaler and he puff puff passes, the Titans are is it gonna affect the big the big game. Is it annoying? Yes. Can you be annoyed? Sure. Because, but at the time that Burks was being drafted, who were they going to take? That was the wide receiver, Sky Moore, Christian Watson. I mean, hell, Aaron Rodgers is contemplating retirement because he's having to play with Christian Watson. That dude in Titans Twitter, I'd never seen a dude be called the next Randy Moss from a film account. A guy that breaks down film, say, oh, he gives me he gives me Randy Moss vibes. Yeah, maybe Titans Randy Moss. Maybe that's the Randy Moss you're getting vibes from because Christian Watson was not ready to be a first round pick, 100%. Anybody with a brain knew that. So in my mind, you you got rid of AJ Brown because he didn't want to be here. You took Burks. Do you wish you Burks didn't have asthma? That his parents had better genes? Sure. We all wish we had different genes from our parents and we didn't get certain things passed down, like receding hairlines or you know, attached earlobes, whatever may piss you off about yourself. My thing is, is that it's not a big deal. Jeffrey Simmons, was that a big deal? No. Now, Isaiah Wilson is in a totally different stratosphere than any other player not named Ryan Lee for Jamarcus Russell, in my opinion. So, yeah, they fucked up, and John Robinson and them in a COVID year, maybe, you know, I hesitate to say half-assed it, but I don't really have a lack of a better term for their lack of – finding out and investigating into Isaiah Wilson. But am I concerned about as a whole, that there is a kind of a first round issue problem? No, I'm really not concerned. Annoyed. I think you could be annoyed, but I'm not concerned. Annoyed is such a good way of putting it. Cause I was trying to think earlier about like, what, how do I fit into that? And I'm definitely annoyed with it, but it's, like being annoyed that you're stuck in traffic in Nashville every day. There's not right. much <laughs> yeah. shit you that can do That is a about good it. analogy. Yeah. I mean, you can be annoyed, but I mean, it's there. So you can get over your own annoyance. But I, 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 yeah, I, I agree with you. There's not an overlying. I don't feel like there's an overlying problem. The Titans just can't evaluate first round picks. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, you, you'd rather it not be there. You'd rather not have the genes that you're born with. But there it is. Now, I mean, you know, of course, you get into the regular season, he can't perform, he's constantly having to come out and set out plays. Yeah, let's go wild. We're going to be right there with you. We're going to be just as beyond annoyed at that point. We're going to be discussing why the hell is this happening, but um, it's it's still June. Like, if talk the, to me on at, September 20th. Talk to let, let me say this. Talk to me at training camp. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because, good, because I, I said this on a football show on Thursday. I said that when when can fans start being concerned about Traylon Burks's health issues, his conditioning, his asthma, all that stuff? Because he had it's it's stated, 
And now I'm about to say something. If you haven't listened to a football show, you need to go listen to it. But I'm about to say something. I don't want people to mistake my words and misconstrue them. The head coach, Sam Pittman of Arkansas, is the offensive line coach at Georgia, was the offensive line coach at Georgia for Isaiah Wilson. (laughs) Now, both of these players had conditioning issues, and both of these players had conditioning issues dating back to college. Now, Traylon Burks and Isaiah Wilson played really well during college years. Traylon Burks is definitely a different personality that cares about football more so than Isaiah Wilson, obviously, right? I mean, I think that's 100%. This guy is, cares about football. He's not on social media posting pictures of lean or hanging out with rappers or whatever Isaiah Wilson was doing. He hasn't gone and done donuts in the, in the middle of Charlotte Avenue. But I think that the, 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 prob- the problem that the Titans have is an issue where it's sink or swim with them. You got to come in and prove that you care about this team, that you put the team first, and you have to jump on the train or we don't want you. Some players have to be a little bit given a little bit of handholding because now it's right now, it's on Traylon Burks to get himself into shape between uh, mandatory minicamp, which is uh, J- June 14th through 16th, I believe, next week. And so the middle of June to the end of July, he has to stay in shape because that has been the problem. When he's left alone or by himself and he's hunting wild boar, Sam Pittman said it himself, hunting wild boar ain't keeping you in shape. Right. In football shape. So he has to, in that month and maybe a week, a week and a month, he has like, you know, 36, 37 days to get even in, in even more football shape. If by day three, day four of training camp, you're still having the same issues, I think there's a little cause for the alarm unless they're asthma issues. Now, if they're pure weight issues and he's looking a little chunky, I think you need to start maybe being a little concerned, but he still has time to get in shape by the time football season starts. He just may not live up as swiftly to the number one pick as what you would hope or the number one overall pick for the Tennessee Titans. That makes so, sense. I kind of got a little yeah. lost in the weeds there. No, that's okay. I mean, fuck it. It's off season. I mean, we're all lost in the weeds. I mean, if it weren't for Traylon Burks, if, if it weren't for them discussing Traylon Burks coming out with asthma today, it's kind of a bit of a paltry lineup, but we press on because Dylan Radens has been working at right tackle. Oh my God. The Titans have revealed a state secret. Well, I, I got a little <laughs> conspiracy theory for you. All right. Okay. PK is on vacation. He put out an article that he was not going to be near his phone all week. He's going to be very limited access to his phone. And what happens today? The floodgates open and information (laughs) spills out. And I think that that is a masterful troll job by Mike Frabel. No one will ever admit it. But I think that I think right now the Titans are trolling the media at the highest order. And they trolled PK today by unleashing all this information when he's not going to be able to report on it. How pissed in a hotel room right now is he? He is probably a little miffed. Uh, whenever he is done on, on the beach, I think he's at the beach. Whenever he's back inside, he's going to be, he's going to look at these and be like, damn it. I can't believe I wasn't there for this. But I mean, what do you read out of this? I, I really, I don't have much of a take about it because I'm only honest. I just am not as versed in the O-line and the drama like uh, the rest of our Twitter chat is, but 
What what is your take on it? My my take it, it, on it is is that they're being a little bit more expedient on deciding who's the starting five is going to be this this year. So and that's, and, yeah, go ahead. You know, and, and that's that's good to hear because it's something that we discussed a couple of podcasts ago about that piece about the O-line is something that I think Titans fans have a, a right to be more than just agitated about, but just to be irritated that I think you're the one who put this in chat, which was um, essentially, I'm going to butch this, but don't ask us about the O-line. We're, you know, we're working every day about it in camp and then eight weeks into the season, well, they just had a, haven't had a lot of time to gel. Right. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is for the, Ever since uh, after Vrabel's first season, so 2019 on, it has been week eight is when they decide that, oh, this is our starting five and this is our best starting five. Everybody's ready. And now it seems like it's coming in a little bit more focus. You still have a competition at left guard and you still have NPF creeping in the background, but it seems like it's Raiden's job to lose at right tackle, which is what you want to hear. And I, I have talked about this a little bit, but I think the plan slash hope that this Titans staff has is that in 2023 that basically NPF and Raidens are ready to be your bookend right tackle and left tackle. doesn't matter which position I, I personally would prefer Raidens at left tackle and NPF as right tackles. That's where they both excel the most and have the most, I think, um, the best film on tape. So they're probably their more natural positions, but as long as they feel that they're ready, that's all I care about. Uh, I want your bookend tackles for the next few years, you know, put together and get younger on the offensive line. I think that's their hope. Now, you know, NPF has a lot to prove on the practice fields and maybe some moments he may even see playing time. And then Raidens has a whole year to prove himself. But the, what I take away from this is that it's, I think it's finally over confidence in, instilled in Raidens. Raidens is where he's, where they want him to be. And this, this is the, this just kind of alleviates a lot of pressure. I feel like, cause you, you heard Vrabel say it. Now you hear Keith Carter say it. I think it just alleviates. And you heard Raiden say it today. He was interviewed today uh, on Tuesday. So to me, it just alleviates, I think a lot of pressure for Raiden's, but a lot of pressure on those of us who have to suffer through watching the Tennessee Titans offensive line the last few years. So Caleb Farley is confident in his knee which is um, good to hear, you know, good to hear that out of his mouth. Um, when was he injured last season? In um, October, I think the beginning of October, if I'm not mistaken, I think October 5th or 7th, something like that. So I haven't got to hear his comments or, or listen to the video myself. I, I just read, you know, kind of the transcript of it. Um, how confident did he sound? Super confident. And that's what you want your future shutdown corner to sound like. I, I think, you know, there's been a few people that have, there's been a few people that have acted like Roger McCreary could take the starting role away from Caleb Farley and all this stuff. I, I'll, I'll, I don't know what, when I've said it, but I know I've said it on air. You know, they do these, these off season awards. If Caleb Farley doesn't get one of these little off season awards for outstanding work in, in for defense or whatever, I'd be highly surprised. Because at this point, that's all they've talked about is Caleb Farley. When they talk about a player like this, that means that that he is on the right track. He is ready to play. They're super excited. And that dude is just, he looks thicker. He looks healthier. He looks more comfortable. Caleb Farley, Christian Fulton, Elijah Molden, Roger McCurry, Chris Jackson as your fifth, 
Buster Screen is still in there. Sign me up for this defense. Like this defense right now, I have such high expectations for this defense that yeah. I, I it's just out of this world right now. And Caleb Farley is a huge reason for that. And that's you know not to go down a a road that we've been down a few times, but you should be excited and should have high expectations for this as a, as a fan because. I feel like the Titans defense is going to keep them in games this season while the offense might struggle to find its footing, especially ease early in the season. I'm, I'm excited to watch this defense. I'm pretty sure I said multiple times last season that this is the most fun I've had watching a Titans defensive unit probably ever. And I really hope that they bring some of that magic back this year because um, I don't want to see any missteps. I, this is the unit I expect to show up and play their ass off. Well, you, everybody talks about, well, the AFC is just so loaded and the Titans kind of took a step back and they're not that loaded. Well, they're loaded in a different way. They're loaded on defense. You know, these offenses, like Jerry Judy's already getting hamstring issues because he's injury prone over there in Denver. But you, you see these other offenses that really went all in. Well, the Titans counteracted that with saying, hey, we have the best running back, arguably the best running back in the league right now. We have a defense that is extremely, extremely deep and extremely, extremely great. And we're not scared that you got Russell Wilson, who's going to shrink in November and December. We're not scared that, you know, Patrick Mahomes got a few new toys and Tyree kills over in Miami. We're not scared of any of these guys. Look, you can have all the toys in the world. Right. I mean, look at what the Bengals had. They have all the toys in the world and they still barely, barely beat the, the Tennessee Titans, you know, and they then went turned around and they lost to the Rams. And to me, you look at how this team is built defensively. There are five cornerbacks deep with uh, five players that could probably start on almost on a few a handful of teams almost everywhere. Like Chris Jackson could probably be a starter in some of these uh, some of these NFL teams right now. They're they're set up to stop the offenses. So this idea that the Titans can't keep up in a shootout, well, the Titans' idea is not to have a shootout at all. They're not going to be in a shootout because of this defense, and that's the philosophy everybody's kind of missing or the the side of the argument that everybody's missing when they're talking comparing this team against other AFC opponents and ranking them in there is that, I don't know. I mean, could this be the best defense in the AFC? Probably. I think it's right up there. If it's not, I think it's easily top two or top three. And when you have a top 15-ish offense in the NFL, possibly, that top two or top three defense is going to help a lot in a lot of games. So at the end of the day, what have you learned from OTAs? You personally, Zach. I've learned that um, nothing matters in OTAs. <laughs> After we just spent 20 minutes talking about what matters and what are takeaways. And I mean, in all honesty, I do enjoy OTAs because it does give us certain topics to, to talk about. I think what we learned is that Mike Vrabel's way we shouldn't be surprised at this point what Mike Vrabel says and how he conducts OTAs and what he cares and what he doesn't care about and what matters. I think at this point, you you should have a good feeling of how this team operates, whether it's in OTAs, whether it's in negotiations, whether it's in the regular season. They're, they're consistently operating the same way, and it's not changing, and it works. 
So this next piece, uh, it's just, it's a brief thought that I had earlier, but I I wanted to bring it up. And this is not aimed at the local media by any means. They, They cannot control the team they cover and the manner at which that team wants to provide the media with news and then putting it out. It's no secret that the Titans prefer to leak almost every single big news story they have to national people over local. Um, and it is also no secret that the Titans have strict rules in place on when the media can report who was at practice and yada, yada, yada. Where I'm going with this is that Buck had mentioned on his show today that he quote unquote got in trouble for setting some auto tweets to go out at, I believe he said 10:45 AM um, when the Titans were supposed to be done with practice um, that would basically update um, while he was on air. So he didn't have to try to worry about rushing to get it out when practice actually ended. Practice apparently is defined as ending for the Titans when they blow the horn on the field. That also gives the media the signal of, hey, you're clear to tweet out who all was here and yada, yada, yada. My point to this rant is, and again, I don't know who Buck got quote unquote in trouble by. I don't know if it was his you know, other media members who were like, hey, you got a leg up on us. It's BS or whatever it was. But why do the Titans act like they're controlling secrets of national importance? I mean, we're talking about an entertainment product and who was on the practice field for OTAs. Like, who gives a shit? Like, who in the organization is so bent out of shape if a tweet goes out at 1044 versus 1046 and someone has a 90-second head start on someone was out there with a yellow jersey on today? I, I just don't – I don't – maybe I'm making a big deal out of nothing, but that just kind of shit drives me nuts. I'm not trying to belittle what the media do and what – people do for a living, but we're covering a children's sport. It's an entertainment product. I think, I think the way that, you know, now Mike, Mike Frabel's quick to apologize, but it it always brings me back to when someone, I think it was Austin Stanley had said that he was over there at Derrick Henry was on the forbidden field. (laughs) taking The fact that there's a forbidden field is utterly ridiculous. By the way, I think that is absolutely moronic that there is a forbidden field but he went over there and reported on it and he got cussed out yelled at and uh i think he peed his pants a little bit or something and then but mike Vrabel apologized you know that that's okay i i find the way that they conduct this their the business with the press to be perplexing yes. to say the least um you look at the amount of information or availability on other teams you know what they do with you know at these other places and the insight you get like the bills put out uh the bills and someone else i think it was giants put out you know some of their combine interviews which were which were amazing content but Vrabel and john robinson aren't gonna let you do that they're they're you're not gonna get that kind of information no so i don't know who to blame but i feel like you know, there needs to be you, you I feel like you kind of do your fans, and I think sometimes oftentimes with the way you conduct your pressers, your your players, a disservice and the media that are paid to be there in your in the hot fucking sun. And I'm sure they really don't care, right? I'm sure in in the end all be all big scheme of things, they don't care. But these little piddly rules, they're that's what they are. They're piddly rules. They they just don't matter. And I think that the Titans uh 
and we'll never be invited to a practice, obviously. But uh, <laughs> at this think, point, yeah. fuck it. <laughs> uh, but basically, I think the the Titans uh, press room or whoever is in control of their public relations that whoever is control of this stupid rules, these rules needs to relax. Yes. And I Have would say that about anybody, I, not just because it's Buck, because I didn't even listen to the radio show, but I would say that for on anybody's behalf from my uh, viewpoint looking in. And maybe I mean, it's, and maybe it's, you know, like you said about um, putting out the, the combine interviews and how kind of fun that is. Maybe it, I would implore the Titans to lighten up a little bit and have some fun with some behind the scenes stuff, provide a little more information. But I'm sure the Titans, and again, I'm assuming, I'm sure the Titans regime is is one of which if we expose ourselves as having a good time, we're taking it lighthearted, we're giving you more content to laugh about and giggle on, the second shit starts to go wrong, you're going to throw that right back in our face of, oh, you should have spent all of OTA camp goofing off, putting out videos of X, Y, and Z. Much like uh, Titans fans go after Taylor Lewan for, oh, well, if you weren't recording a podcast, maybe you would have done X, Y, and Z. So <laughs> I can only assume that's why they're doing it. But again, it's an entertainment product. Lighten up a little bit. Give your fans a little bit more glimpse of what you're doing right now. It's not like Buck tweeted out that, hey, uh, you know, practice just over and they're bringing out the hookers and blow. Right. Like, like let's, get, let's get a grip that it was probably some meaningless, like, workout video tweet, like of Robert Woods, you know, do, you know running or who wasn't there. It's 90 seconds, like chill the fuck out, whoever that is. And again, it could have been, he could have been 15 minutes early. I say 90 seconds just facetiously, but yeah. Um, okay. It's time for the Titans, uh, Titans Twitter restraining order of the week. And it's brought to you by 440 Media, which the co host of the, uh, or the, are you the host or the co host or both hosts? Analyst co host <laughs> of a football show. Um, give us your breakdown. What is a football show? Football show is basically one hour twice a week on Mondays and on Thursdays, where we bring you unfiltered, authentic opinions on football itself. Just the sport of football. Sometimes we get into like not a football show, but just football. Tennessee Titans, SEC-centric, with a little bit of like broader topics mixed in. But we we get down deep into it. You know, Braden has a unique perspective. I have a different perspective. So it's, a, it's, it's different than this, but it's still the same vibe. It's two guys, t- basically, where we're not having beer, but eventually, hopefully, we can have beer on basically right there talking and we're in studio. I think that's the biggest thing is that, that we're in studio. We're providing you get to see interactions a little bit better. You get to talk to us. So YouTube, go to 440 Sports YouTube, turn on your notifications, join us for some discussions because we talked about Mike Vrabel's ceiling last week. And th- this week we're going to talk about on Thursday, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson and um, basically the fans, a fan's duty or role in something like this. Like why it's what is what should fans be doing when something like this goes down for your team? You had a little unique perspective. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. Restraining order. It's a joint restraining order for both Zach and I. We're going to keep it pretty simple. It's basically to anyone who is retweeting this A.J. Brown video being overthrown by Jalen Hurts or the news about it or whatever it is, it, it, just stop. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, that's where I'm at at this point. Like, this is taking screenshots of your ex-girlfriend's Instagram and texting them to your buddies and saying she's already out on other dates. Like, dude, 
it's over. The guy is gone. Okay. This is not your problem anymore. If you feel the need to find reasons to hate AJ Brown or the situation he's in, go nuts, but stop sharing it with the rest of us on Twitter. We don't want to watch it, but I've already given my advice of just unfollowing him. If you want to mute the topic, mute him. I, I'm pretty close to muting the topic, AJ Brown, but it just, I, I just don't understand why you want to put yourself back through that. Either you're going to be pleased that he's getting overthrown or you're going to have to watch a bunch of touchdowns and accurate passes from him, which are not going to happen with, with Jalen Hurts. But uh, just stop. Stop doing this to yourself. The Titans have enough shit going on for you to overreact about. You don't have to go look for it. <laughs> I, I think my thing is, is that, you know, when it happened, I got I was busy when the initial tweet happened. And I get, get on, I uh, scroll through the timeline, and it is almost every other tweet. It's like when the media members see something happen on the practice field and they all tweet the same fucking yeah. thing. That's what it was. And I'm thinking, um, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's pretty funny because I saw it in a group chat first. And then I go to the timeline. And I was, and then I'm like, okay, Titans fans are, are obsessed. They are obsessed with AJ Brown. And, some of the media members were are guilty of this too. Here's my thing. Jalen Hurts overthrowing him at, in the middle of May. Who the fuck gives a shit? When he overthrows him, when the Titans play the Eagles, that's when I'll care. Yeah. Because the Titans play the Eagles this year. So when he overthrows him or underthrows him or whatever he may do, when he misses A.J. Brown, that's when I care. When A.J. Brown will drop a ball, that's when I care. Because at this point, you know who overthrew A.J. Brown and I went through and found tweets and retweeted them because that's how petty I am? Ryan Tannehill did on and missed out on two touchdowns in the regular season in important games. I think actually one of them was postseason uh, that I retweeted. So spare me that you guys should be parading around. Oh, look at Jalen Hurts overthrowing A.J. Brown in May when your freaking quarterback did the same thing to A.J. Brown in actual meaningful games. Get a fucking break. Leave A.J. Brown alone. He does not care about you anymore. Let me say that again. <laughs> A.J. Brown has never cared about you Titans fans. He's never cared about the Tennessee Titans. He proved that. He showed that. He said that with his actions. He does not care about you. Let him go. Oh boy. I just, I know we're going to have I, other restraining orders that come up, but this is just one that I, it's just not going to go away. It's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen through camp. It's going to happen all summer. He's going to post Instagram video. I guarantee between now and the start of the season, he's going to put out some Instagram live or I don't know. I can't keep up with the, what the kids are doing in the streets these days, but he's probably going to come up with something that's going to be in some way interpreted or maybe directly critical of his time here critical of his fan whatever i good fuck him i hope yeah, he hated exactly. it here i hope I mean, he hated it here because yeah, i, I mean, just don't care about him anymore yeah it, let me gone. let me say this when derrick henry leaves when taylor lawan leaves when ryan Tannehill leaves I, i've said it numerous times when those players are playing for another team i don't give a fuck about them anymore <laughs> i don't and i love derrick henry but i do not give a shit what the fuck they do over on another team and that's the same way with A.J. Brown. So I'm wearing today, in, in the spirit of this, a Terry Bodash shirt that says, to whom it may concern, fuck you. 
And that's basically what today's episode is going to be because I'm about to get into another rant. And now I am not expressing the viewpoints of this podcast or Michael Gill. So he may agree, but that's on him. But I am just still fucking pissed and angry. And I'm not even sure why it's even a debate that stricter gun laws should be in place with a ban on AR-15s. I don't even think it should be a debate. People continue to die almost every day at the hands of people who have no business owning a gun, let alone many guns that include an assault rifle. There is absolutely no reason an AR-15 should be so easy to get, and absolutely no reason one should actually need an AR-15. Give me a break with this idea that you need it in case the government attacks you. This idea that these old lazy fucks in the government who have their heads shoved up with their own asses are suddenly going to start a purge on the population and attack their constituents is asinine. And on top of that, if the government wants you dead, you're dead. <laughs> they know exactly when you're taking your lunch break at Arby's, when you're supposed to be on a diet and on your way there to pick up whatever disaster that fucking place is cooking up, they could drone strike you with minimal collateral damage. They know exactly when you're on the toilet, jerking it to guns and ammos, and will send in a team to get you. The government knows everything about you, but they also don't give a fuck enough about Jimbo Mansfield from Tullahoma to want to try and take over the United States. You need it to defend from terrorists? Look, the next big war is going to be fought with missiles and nukes. Your penis compensator ain't going to do shit. I also have major issues with people saying, see, this is what happens when you defund the police. Let me tell you something. The lack of funds hasn't stopped them from killing unarmed black men. So take that argument and shove it up your ass. Because those police that day were cowards, plain and simple. A mother that weighed 90 pounds soaking wet went in after her two kids. This is after she had to fight from being handcuffed by the police, who, by the way, were not inside the school. And, the, and she went in and got her two kids to safety in the school while the shooter was still inside. But these losers with guns and protective armor couldn't be bothered to do anything. It's a joke. You want a pistol or hunting rifle? Go for it. But you need to go through several grueling, intrusive, and extensive steps before getting one. However, owning an AR-15 is off the table for me. But at this point, I'd settle for Congress or Senate or the House or whatever to do anything to prevent these children from being killed senselessly. I would take any kind of extensive methods to prevent death. This shouldn't be a controversial topic. And if you disagree with anything I'm saying, type it out in an email and send it to Ryan at broadwaysportsmedia.com or share it on your dark web I Heart Guns message boards because I don't give a fuck. I can't yeah. throw Ryan in there. Just like send it all to Ryan. He's HR. I got I to gotta send it to him. I, I, um, I do not disagree with you. And this here's my stance on it is that People who want to throw it right back to the Second Amendment is the, the very first line of the Second Amendment is about a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. You cannot tell me that walking in at 18 years old and purchasing an AR-15 the day that you decide you're going to go murder a bunch of children. Who have nothing well, to do with you, by the way. These children have nothing to do with him. You cannot tell me that that is a system that is reflective of a well-regulated militia. That is not well-regulated. It is completely open season. It is literally as easy to get your hands on any number of weapons now 
than it is to get car insurance. It's probably easier because car insurance, you at least have to provide a VIN number. But jokes aside, I I think it's going to take a lot to bring sides together to have a competent conversation on this. But you can't tell me that the system that is in place is well-regulated because it is so, so far from it. And spare me the arguments about the media will define anything as a mass shooting and X, Y, and Z. Frankly, it's as simple as this. This shit doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the world except here. What is the common denominator? Idiots who can freely get their hands on firearms. Well, I'm not saying go door to door and take everyone's guns, but I do agree with Zach on. I just, I, I find a hard reason to understand why you need to own an AR-15. People like to, I've, I've seen this on Twitter multiple times now of, well, every time someone gets a DUI and kills someone, they don't ban cars. Well, you know what? Cars were not built for the specific purpose of killing other human beings. They were built for transportation and some can use them to get drunk and run over other people and be idiots. Firearms are designed to do one thing to eject a projectile that kills things. So explain to me why we have to keep going above and beyond of acquiring the biggest firearm that you could possibly have. If you want to have guns, there are so many countries that have so many different ways that Japan is a good example about. I I was just going to bring up Japan. I have their gun laws right here. Japan has this multi-tiered like series of things you need to go through about justifying why you have a firearm that you can pass a mental competency test. And guess what? If you go through all that, you can have it. You shouldn't be, I shouldn't be able to leave my house right now and go buy a firearm and use it to commit a crime in an hour and a half. The guy who shot up the Tulsa hospital literally bought the AR-15 that morning and went and committed a crime with it 90 minutes later. It's just, it's unacceptable. It's, it's, that's unacceptable. And if you can't agree on that basic premise, not a lot to talk about at that point. So just stop, yeah. stop throwing it out there that it's, it's second amendment. I don't want to hear about it. There has to be a discussion. And most people can't say anything other about the second amendment other than the right to bear arms. You you go around and pull 90% of the people who I would say probably 90% of pro the people, I wouldn't even say pro-gun. I think that there are people that do not want, they have an irrational fear of the, the government or whatever, taking away their freedoms. Because this isn't, to me, while it is a political issue broader, my issue just stems from, I think it's just utterly illogical that this is the state that we're in. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. I think everybody should agree the senseless death of children could have been prevented or whatever, could have been I, I it could have been prevented and i think a lot of deaths of these that you're seeing could be prevented because look at japan to get a gun in japan first you have to attend an all-day class and pass a written test which are only held once a month you must also take and pass a shooting range class then head over to a hospital for a mental test and drug test which you'll file with the police Finally, you have to pass a rigorous background check for any criminal record or association with criminal extremist groups, and then you'll be a proud new owner of your shotgun or air rifle. Just don't forget to provide police with documentation on the specific location of the gun in your home, as well as the ammo, both of which must be locked and stored separately. And the police have to come and inspect the gun once per year, and you have to retake the class and exam every three years. That right there, to me, 
would be perfect because I think that gives everybody enough time and it puts everybody on a registry with the police to know, okay, this person has this gun. This is where they're at mentally and physically. This is what you need to be done. To me, I'm not here to take away your guns except for your AR-15 because I just think it's ridiculous that you even feel like you need to have one. I just want it to be tougher for other people to get guns. And if you are a law-abiding citizen that can do all of this, then you should have no problem agreeing to this because I think that it also gives, it should give everybody more peace of mind. And doesn't, isn't that really what the whole point of having a gun is, is to have peace of mind for protection? Because right now, there's, there's at any point, you could be at any event, and a, and, or not even at an event, you could be at a hospital, you could be at a school, and a shooting could break out. And I guarantee that you're not carrying your AR-15 around your back. So what good is it doing locked up in your in your gun cabinet at home? No, just we just had too many examples of there's not good guys in the right place that start these events. There's there's just too many. The schools, the latest school shooting is the, is the worst, most egregious examples. Uh, you have police who are designed to save your life and were armed stood outside the classroom and let this go on. I, just what, what other discussion do you need to have that this good guys with firearms tactic is not working at? I'll just say this and then we can, we can move on. It's um, I am not advocating for the government to, to talk or, or to go door to door and take firearms. I don't think that's applicable. I also think that's a huge overreach by the government, but if you can enact, enact laws tomorrow to prevent people who do not have firearms already that should not be getting their hands on them, that's a start. That's a very minor start in my in my opinion, but I, that's the first step that you have to take. Past that, you gotta have to start having rational conversations. And those rational conversations do not, they're not gonna be rational if you're trying to base them around whatever political fandom you've assigned yourself to. Logical fallacies, I feel like. Yeah, it, that's, is what they stop, are. stop trying to weigh your opinion against sensical, logical things in life based on who you voted for or who you think is popular. Um, all right, I'm going to leave that alone. Okay. I'm going to move on to I Titan's think, mailbag. Yeah, let's go F-mail. So uh, we've not done an F-mail in a while. So I think it's time yeah. and we let the Twitter users get in here. Now I'm going to throw this out there first. Canadian Titan, you've asked us like six questions. Okay, I, the, I like, like all questions. I know he's a scoundrel. <laughs> he's a known Twitter scoundrel, but <laughs> I like every question that he asked. He did ask a lot of good questions. So we'll, we'll, we'll give him the time of day this time. And I'm actually going to start with him. First question. What is the worst Titans take you have ever had that you've never publicly stated? No, um, that you have publicly stated. That you have publicly stated. And did you admit you were wrong or did you just never speak of it again? I'll let you go first. I, I think mine would be the Julio Jones uh, was not coming to the Tennessee Titans. I was loud. I was proud. I said it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and it happened. But I did admit that I was wrong. And so I think that's the good thing about this podcast is that we typically admit when we're wrong. You know, sometimes I may, you know, try to lawyer it up and, you know, act like I wasn't wrong. But, you know, that would probably be the most egregious thing. Uh, besides maybe like a bad prediction or something like, you know, the Titans will go 12 and five or 12 and four or whatever. I'd say mine. And it was a joint effort of all of us, but it was what three years ago that we sat, we actually, we sat in Mike's bonus room. And we had a poll podcast where we discussed that basically Arthur Smith was not working out. He was absolutely going to be fired. That 
Mike Vrabel was probably not long behind him. And this Art Smith not working out for the Titans was a huge blow to the ship. And I'm paraphrasing here, but basically that Arthur that that Art was out and that Mike Vrabel <laughs> was probably not far behind him. And at the end of the day, this is probably going to cost John Robinson his job. But we made a whole podcast talking about that. And we could not have been more wrong. And I think we've brought it up multiple times yeah. just how fucking wrong we were. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That was an embarrassing one. Um, okay, so Canadian Titan, again, what is your favorite conspiracy theory, sports-related or not? I'll let you go first. Ooh, I think my favorite conspiracy theory is um, the lizard people. Yeah. There, are, there are people in human skins that are lizard people. I think that is my favorite conspiracy theory. Mine has got to be that we all live in a simulation. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's so grand and complex that it seems ridiculous on the face of it. But the longer you let your mind kind of revolve around what it would take to put humans in a simulation and the amount of power you would have to have to run a simulated universe and all that. If you're thinking about it on a grand galactic scale, it's not actually as absurd as you would think. And your brain starts to go down some, some rabbit holes with it. Again, look, I don't actually believe that humans live in a simulation, but just based on how stupid people are about stuff, there are days that I wake up and I'm like, dude, this simulation is on full autopilot. We, we are stupid. living idiocracy. Let me say yes. that. So I don't know who's controlling the simulation, but they need to load a new program. All right, so next one comes uh, courtesy of Big Hefe. If you contracted a disease that will make you go deaf, but the only treatment to preserve your hearing is to listen to Jared Stillman's entire show once a day, would you complete the daily treatment or go the rest of your life with silence? No, I could do it. I mean, like, listen, I, I've that kind of stuff doesn't bother me, and I would much rather listen to, be able, listen to that once a day and have something that I disagree with, but get to enjoy music or get to enjoy TV or the, you know, sound of my wife talking, I guess. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> I hope she doesn't consume the podcast. Um, so yeah, I would do it. I mean, it, look, his show is not uh, something that I want to, I like regularly. Caroline when she gets to talk, right. but Caroline is great. And also, you know, it does, there's nothing stopping you from calling in and, and regurgitating his bullshit and throwing it back in his face or getting on the podcast like we do and throwing it back in his face. There, there was one guy that came in and yelled at him on the phone, and it was hilarious. I can't remember what it, what all he was said, but, it, I mean, he said, you're the same guy who said blah, 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 and he's yelling on the phone. It was great. I mean, I mean that is the good part of it. Again, Canadian Titan, what is in, in your expert opinion – the best way to eat a muffin. Now, I like how he throws out, and I have a feeling Lebowski will have some thoughts here. Now, why do you say that? You big muffin guy? I mean, why, do I just look like a big muffin guy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead, Zach. I, I uh, typically go half and half, like right off the bat. I open it up. I go half and half. So I get a little bit of the muffin top, a little bit of the, the bottom to make it a little bit more accessible. And then I typically, depend on how big the top actually is, I may have to chew it down, but I try to get a little bit of all in one good bite. So I pull pieces off of it and eat it because in my very limited brain capacity, I feel that that's going to be less messy. It's never less messy. No. It seems to be. More but it messy. is very delicious for whatever reason. Yes. I do enjoy doing it that way as well. And I start from the top, but I got to tell this little anecdote because I hope this will come out as funny as it was in my brain. Um, 
if you've ever had to go through the loss of a loved one or a family member, you know how terrible that time can be, especially when there's like people in your house that you haven't seen forever. It's people bringing over food, that kind of stuff. And you just get to see other sides of people that you don't normally see because you don't live with them. Well, I had a family member that I will not disclose who decided to grab a pretty good sized cupcake that someone had brought over, went over to the kitchen sink and proceeded to cram the whole thing in their mouth. This is, <laughs> it was, you combine the awkwardness and the flat out depressingness of the fact that you've just lost someone and then you're watching someone cram this entire cupcake in their mouth over the kitchen sink. It was one of the weirdest and funniest moments of my life. And I will never forget it. I still make jokes with my family of, I'm just going to go eat a cupcake over the sink real quick. Well, I just find it odd. Like you look at a cupcake and you, how big do you think your mouth is in relation to the cupcake that you're going to be able to fit it all in there without like just crumbling everywhere? Well, and also it's one of those things where once you've started the process of cramming a cupcake in your mouth, you yeah, can't it's over. reverse. Yeah, there is no reverse. reverse. You're, you're committed. This yeah. is probably going to choke you to death. Um, Farsender asks us, do you believe in football curses? Examples, the Lions, the Terrible Towel, Madden curse, uh, just to name a few. Oh, man. I do and I don't. Like, it's kind of weird. I don't believe in superstition, but I do believe in curses. And the, the stupid things should, like, probably coincide. But the, the, the Cubs forever, major, and the Cubs, the Red Sox, I think it's more prevalent in baseball than football. Uh, I don't believe that stomping on the terrible towel really mattered and cursed the Titans on. I don't believe in anymore in the Madden cover curse. I don't think that exists anymore personally, just because it's just such a shitty game that everybody should stop buying it. Um, people are just cursing themselves by buying the only NFL game instead of not buying it and forcing them to either make the game better or let a competitor in. Uh, and I just think the lions are just shitty. I think they have been just poorly run. I do have a little faith that Dan Campbell and I mean, just to see how that goes. All right, two more. Jeff Woods asks, why are you so full of shit? Uh, genetics. Uh, same here. I have a rare disease that only listening to Jared Stoneman can cure, and it's called full of shitness. Um, we have an F1 question, which is going to be great because I have no idea how to answer this, but here we go. Uh, Crazy Bear has asked us, what does Haas need to do to get their shit together? Um, in your opinion, is it the cars, the drivers, or the leadership? And then second question, what has happened to Danny Ricardo? Um, but I mean, the, I'll take the first one or the second one first. Danny Ricardo, I'm not sure. I think he just made a series of bad moves pretty quickly. I don't think leaving Renault was the bad move, but leaving Red Bull absolutely was the wrong yeah. move. And I just think he's just out of sync, out of his element. I think the worst possible move he could make is leaving F1 for a quote unquote year and try to come back because most drivers who leave F1 usually don't come back. I was trying to pull a list before this podcast to find out if it's happened. I couldn't really get a good answer, but it doesn't happen a lot if it's ever happened at all. So he doesn't need to leave F1 if he wants to remain an F1 driver, but I have no idea what's happened to that man. I just think he's in his own head. There's a video that uh, a guy shared in a group chat, uh, Chris. He said it basically the car and the steering wheel and the car itself does not jive with how Daniel Ricardo likes to drive. And I'm with you. He should have never left Red Bull. He got too full of himself. And this has gotten a little bit of karmic payback. You know, I'll never forget when he basically, you know, asked, am I the problem? 
you know, a little bit more graphic uh, terms in this last season. And yeah, I think he's in his head and I think he has to get out of his head. The Haas question. I think it's a mixture of the the drivers. I, I, I just, I think the cars could be competitive. I think the drivers kind of just make these, I think maybe if there's a curse on any team in sports going right now, there's a secret Haas curse. Now listen, it's not leadership. I'll never say a bad word about Gunther on, on this. Ever. No. <laughs> he is, he is a saint. He is not the problem. Even if he is, I will never admit it, but it's, so I got to kind of go to the drivers. It could be a little bit of the cars too, but I, I think the drivers just have this, the stigma when they get there. For the Haas question, I don't really know how to answer it other than to say they've got a couple of things working against them. One is the way that F1 society, for lack of a better phrase, is set up. Um, I don't have the full details in front of me, but I would love to do a podcast sometime on how F1 supplies money to teams, and it's really ass backwards. They basically have a rule in place that if you're a very long-standing F1 team, you get like 140 million extra dollars per year. Guess what? There's only one team that qualifies for that, and it's Ferrari. So Ferrari, they call it the F1 Ferrari budget. Google it sometimes. It's a whole weird thing. Ferrari just gets $140 million or something along those lines each year just for being good boys and the longest team in F1, and it cascades down. I really kind of think it should be backwards to where the lowest – teams, the Williams, the Hosses, I think they should get more funding on the front end to try to make them more competitive with the rest of F1. Kind of like a draft pick for the NFL. Yes. The worst team gets the best draft pick. Yes, exactly. But just knowing as little as I do about F1 and the way they are and how egotistical and high, highly competitive these teams are, they would, I mean, the F1, they would never allow them to vote on that. So the only other answer is that Haas would have to, someone would have to take a huge stab at them with a really serious um, sponsorship. I mean, someone with some serious deep pockets yeah. to basically just come in and say, we will fund whatever driver you want to go after. We will fund whatever car upgrades you need. It's, it's a limitless budget because unfortunately, if you look at the top half versus the bottom half of F1, Haas and the rest of them are going to continue to spend their tires without proper funding. So, like I said, and I think I said uh, to this lovely man on Twitter, don't come here for an educated response because I'm going to give you my, I've been watching F1 for only like five or six years and give you that response. <laughs> I like uh, Jacob Sain's question. It's the last question we'll get to. How many losses would you deem as acceptable this season? And would you take a nine and eight season if it meant Henry was the first ever player to rush for 2K twice? So I'm going to answer the second question first. I don't give a fuck about Henry's stats. Uh, I would not. I'm not sacrificing two or three wins just because Henry needs to get that little 2K to make himself feel good. Fuck that. Fuck, fuck Derrick Henry. Because Derrick Henry ain't going to be here next year. So I don't give a shit what he does if he's 2K or whatever again. Yeah. I care about wins. Yeah, Chris Henry got... Um, I'm sorry. I'm completely... Well, you, it says CJ 2K in here, so you probably you, were thinking Chris... I, I just threw together just... A, <laughs> it's been a long Chris day. Henry's a different Titans running back. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he got 2K and no one cares. I mean, I, well, I know he cares and fans like to bring it up, but I mean, that season was a disaster. So at the end of the day, it's like celebrating that you won the AFC South. It doesn't matter yeah. to me. I'm going to be kind of an asshole and not really answer the question the way you want the question answered for wins. To me, I don't care if they go 10 and seven or whatever the new combination is with the extra, you know, week, but I think it's unacceptable for the Titans to go one and done in the playoffs again. 
I, that yeah. to me is a problem. If I, I know the offense is supposed to be taking a step back. No, I think this defense is good enough to get this team through the games that they probably shouldn't win and the games that they should win on offense, the Titans need to get it done. If they go whatever the record was last year with 12 wins and exit the first round of the playoffs, I'm not going to hang my hat on those 12 wins. Like I'm not going to hang my hat on our running back having a 2000 yard rushing season. If he does, I'll be the first one on Twitter. That's like, hell yeah. 2k, the man deserves it, but I want that tacked onto something else because I'm not going to get up next season and be like, well, thank God Derrick Henry got 2K, but the Titans couldn't make it into the playoffs. To, to me, it's whatever the minimum losses are to win the division. Whatever it takes is the, mi- the minimum losses. Now, obviously, 12 and 5, you know, I think we could have got in at 9 and 7 or 9 and 8 or whatever the Colts finished with. We could have got in at whatever the Colts finished with last year and been, we would have won the division, got a home playoff game. So if that would have been 9 and 8, Last year, that's an acceptable loss, but I am with you just to answer that question. But I am with you in that I don't care if they go 15 and one, if they are one and done in the playoffs, I'm pissed because uh, you, you built up, you went 15 and one or 16 and oh, and you, you exit the playoffs. What, what a waste of a regular season. I like this. Uh, I like this mailbag. I think we need to do this a little more often. Maybe not this many questions, but I think we need to grab like two or three per podcast just to work them in because I just, I can't keep dragging OTA topics out to try to make you all happy. And it's not what we're here to do. Right. Well, okay. Um, F1 minute today is literally going to be one minute because we're approaching 57 minutes. This man has dinner ready. I've got to go get some dinner and I'm about to freaking starve. So here we go. It is formula one and other F words. Vincent, I'm sorry. This is going to be about 90 seconds long, but the next race is at Azerbaijan. This is the Baku Grand Prix. I think this is only the fifth time this run has been a uh, race has been run. So really not, not a lot of precedence for who is favored at this track or not. It's, it's a street track. It's definitely a lot wider than um, Monaco is, but it should be an entertaining race because you kind of don't know what to expect. And what I do remember last year, is a bunch of people wrecking and hitting the same wall and qualifying. So that's all I've got for you, Zach. That's <laughs> uh, good. That's all. It's 6 a.m. on Sunday. It's 6 a.m. on Sunday. So there's not going to be any F1 fellowship. And if there is one announced, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be there because I do have a limit and going somewhere at 6 a.m. to start drinking is one of those limits. Yes, I'm um, with you. This is Football and Other Efforts. We appreciate you listening as always. Thank you for tuning in. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share with other people that you listen to us. And if you've still made it this far and you're very pissed off us about the gun debate, Ryan at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. <laughs> Ryan's Ryan at Broadway Sports Media. Uh, thank you for tuning in as always. You have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.